Hello everyone, I'm back with another Tuesday Advent uh, teaching where I am uh, going deeper into the theme of my sermon from the past Sunday. Uh, if you did hear my sermon, I spoke about uh, the coming and return of Jesus from the vantage point of the heavenly realm, uh, specifically this cosmic battle between God and Satan. Um, that in the first advent of Jesus, uh, Satan was disarmed, and in the second advent of Jesus, Satan will be destroyed. And so what I want to do is I want to return to the theme of spiritual warfare today uh, to discuss more about what that looks like for us in our uh, battle against the defeated enemy as we await the return of Christ where uh, the enemy will be finally destroyed. Let me first round us here in Scripture, Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So behind the evil and strife that we can see is a realm of evil and strife that is unseen. Behind every visible enemy that we struggle against is an invisible enemy that we struggle against. And Paul tells us to stand against these schemes of the devil. Now, on Sunday, I told us to fight against those schemes, but to fight as you fight, to do so as though Satan has been defeated and cannot win, because he can't. He can tempt, he can, um, he can harm, he can distract, he can divide, but the one thing he cannot do is he cannot condemn. And so I pleaded with us to not give him the victory that does not belong to him by buying into the notion of our own condemnation. Our condemnation is not in the arsenal of Satan's weaponry. But what can Satan do? What are these schemes that we are to stand against? Well, there are many. Uh, the oppression of evil's tyranny uh, takes many different forms, but let me speak to our culture and our context in particular. Not surprisingly, I thought of C.S. Lewis and his brilliant and important work, The Screwtape Letters. If you have not read The, the Screwtape Letters, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick, um, relatively easy read, uh, at least for Lewis. Um, so if, if you haven't read it, that's your required reading for the holidays. Get the screw tape letters and, and read it in an afternoon. Um, I think it's probably even available in PDF form online if you search for it. Um, but anyway, it, it's profound in many ways. And the concept um, is that it's written from the perspective of a demon named Screwtape, the Screwtape Letters. And Screwtape is writing to his young nephew and protege, Wormwood. Uh, the screw and Screwtape, what he's doing is he's advising Wormwood on what to do with, his, with Wormwood's patient. The patient is a newly converted Christian. 
that Wormwood um, has been assigned to and is seeking to uh, torment him in his newfound faith. And so it's written, Lewis writes it to give us a perspective on the schemes of Satan and his evil forces. Now all the letters are brilliant in their own way, but I thought of the seventh letter in the book as particularly applicable to our present culture. Lewis uh, via the fictitious screw tape, gives two brilliant observations about demonic activity in a culture like ours. And I want to outline both of them as something to be on guard against. Um, they satanic schemes, two satanic schemes to be on guard against in our context. When Paul tells us to stand against the schemes of the devil, I think these are two of the greatest schemes that we are facing. The first has to do with belief in the devil at all. So the question that Wormwood um, is asking of Screwtape is whether he should make himself known to his patient through stereotypical demonic activity, uh, things like we see in Scripture, demonic um, um, oppressions and um, possessions and so forth. This is what Screwtape says to that question. Our policy, quote, our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. So um, when they disbelieve in demons, what we lose there is the, the pleasure of direct terrorism, so, so demonic um, possessions and oppression and so forth, and um, magicians, and that was, that was uh, Lewis's way of describing um, the, the spiritual dark practices that we see around the world, like in voodoo and witchcraft and so forth. He says this, On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists, and skeptics. And then from there he goes on to show how this form of materialism and skepticism is actually preferable to Satan and that it eventually becomes a false religion unto itself, which of course we are seeing. And then Screwtape says this, I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, he therefore cannot believe in you. So here's what he's saying. Let's keep them disbelieving in our reality which shouldn't be too hard in their culture of unbelief. And if they do start to inquire, if they do start to wonder whether there are bigger spiritual realities of evil and good out there, point them toward those silly caricatures of Satan, a devil in red tights with a pitchfork and so forth, and, and, and point them there because they know that that cannot be true and therefore they won't believe in our existence. Now, again, this is us. Perhaps even as you heard me preach on Satan um, this past Sunday, there was part of you that thought the whole notion of a 
fallen angel from the heavenly realm commanding a host of demonic forces in the unseen uh, space of, of the heavens. All of this is just ludicrous. More and more people in our culture disbelieve in God, but many, many more, including many Christians, disbelieve in the devil. And that is the greatest spiritual oppression of them all. Satan loves a materialistic, secular age where spiritual transcendent realities and activities, including his own, seem silly and childish. He loves that. He loves unbelief. He is, he is just fine with us denying his existence as long as it yields a denial of his enemy, the true God's existence. I've um, partner, missionary partner friend, Macklin Bossy, who, who uh, ministers in Togo, West Africa, where uh, voodoo and witchcraft is very prevalent and, and, um, and the realm of the demonic is very alive and active in more stereotypical ways. And now listen, here's what you need to know about Macklin. Macklin is not a, um, he's not a charismatic, okay? He is a, a reformed, um, evangelical, conservative, uh, deeply theological, uh, trained in a, in a covenant seminary, uh, the PCA seminary, confessional, reformed theologian, okay? He's not, he's not just stereotypical charismatic. And a huge part of his ministry is in the realm of the demonic. Um, many people possessed by demons are brought to him for his prayers, for his exorcisms. It's an exhausting part of his ministry is doing battle with spiritual dark forces. In fact, um, he, there, there's a, there was one point in his ministry where the voodoo priest of their village um, hated Macklin and literally casted a spell on his body that did bring a sickness uh, to him that they could not figure out and only went away through prayer. So this stuff is real, okay? It's real in, in other parts of the world outside of uh, Western um, secular society. It's very real. It's very prevalent. But here's the point I'm, I'm trying to make. Macklin was over here in the States, and there was, um, there was one point we were out to dinner, and he had been in the States for about a month, and I took him out to dinner, and we were out to eat, and it was a t stereotypical American sports bar, okay? And we ordered, um, we ordered dinner, and they brought to him, you know, a typical American portion of food, which is just insane. Um, and we're surrounded by all of these people eating all of this food and drinking all of these drinks. And he looks up and, and he, 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 he was just so amazed that everywhere he looked, he saw a TV. There wasn't an angle of sight that didn't have a TV screen. And he looked at me and he said, this place is so dark. This is so oppressive. I don't know how you are a Christian in this culture. And that's, it struck me by the guy who does battles with demonic forces views our culture, our culture that doesn't see all these sensational demonic stuff taking place as deeply dark and oppressive. And he literally, every time he visits the state, he, he talks about this. He has to get to the point for he feels his soul getting um, overwhelmed by the overconsumption and the comfort and the ease and the entertainment and the distraction. And he literally feels his soul start to wither. And he always gets to the point where he's like, I've got to get out of here. This place is too dark. This place is too oppressive. 
And so the point I'm trying to make is that unbelief in Satan is real in our culture, but that might be the greatest sign that Satan is alive and active in our culture. And his schemes in our context are far less demonic possessions and far more about your comfort and your wealth and your distraction and your hedonism and the countless other ways he uses his schemes to wean us off of faith in Jesus and make us home and comfortable in this world. So the first scheme of the devil in our culture is disbelief in the devil altogether and a sense of comfort that this is our home when in fact it is not. And then from there, Lewis moves into um, the second scheme um, in letter seven that is also incredibly relevant in our context. The Screwtape Letters, which you need to know is they take place uh, during an incredibly divided time in British history. It's during the Second War, and uh, their culture is divided by an extreme uh, British patriotism supporting the war and an extreme anti-British pacifism against the war. So the two camps that were talked about during that time were patriotism and pacifism. And Screwtape loves this divide, and he encourages Wormwood to use it to his advantage. Quote, I had not forgotten my promise to consider, to consider whether we should make the patient an extreme patriot or an extreme pacifist. So, Screwtape saying to Wormwood, I haven't forgotten about your question of whether we should make him an extreme patriot or extreme pacifist. Listen to this. All extremes, except extreme devotion to the enemy, are to be encouraged. What a quote that is. All extremes, except, of course, extreme devotion to the enemy, which... You know, in screw tape letters, the enemy is God, are to be encouraged. Continue on. Not always, of course, but at this period, yes. Some ages are lukewarm and complacent, and then it is our business to soothe them, yet faster asleep. Other ages, of which this present is one, of which this, the, the present is one, are unbalanced and prone to factions, and it is our business to inflame them. Here's what he's saying. Sometimes the culture is not in crisis. Things are good. There's no controversies or emergencies. And what he's saying there, what he's saying is that in that case, our business is to lull them asleep into a stupor of lukewarm complacency. But other times are unbalanced, chaotic times of crisis, which are prone to factions, in which case it is our business to inflame that divide. Now I ask you, where do you think we are right now? We are a fractured, raging, divided culture. And Satan's scheme in this present age is to inflame that divide and for you to get caught up in the divide. So Screwtape then discusses with Wormwood which direction to lead his patient. And, and it's, it's fascinating to hear him describe this because he basically says, depending upon the patient's temperament and sympathies towards patriotism or pacifism, um, you, you, point them, you point the patient in whichever direction seems like he would be most vulnerable to. But then he concludes with these words. And I'm going to read them slowly, and we're almost done here. I'm going to read these slowly and carefully so that we can digest them because they are prophetically profound for where we find ourselves. Whichever he adopts, meaning 
whether, whether you lead him into the extreme of patriotism or uh, pacifism. By the way, uh, patriotism, I, I know that's a controversial word. Um, patriotism would, in, in Lewis's context, would, would be kind of an unhinged nationalism, um, Christian nationalism kind of thing that, that, that we've critiqued before. Anyway, whichever of those he adopts, your main task will be the same. Now listen to this progression. Listen to the scheme of the, of the devil. Let him begin by, by treating the patriotism or the pacifism as a part of his religion, meaning patriotism or pacifism is a part of his Christianity. Then let him, under the influence of partisan spirit, come to regard it as the most important part of his religion. So patriotism or pacifism is now the most important part of Christianity. Then, quietly and gradually, nurse him onto the stage at which the religion becomes merely part of the cause in which Christianity is valued chiefly because of the excellent arguments it can produce in favor of the British war effort or of pacifism. Here's what he's saying. Patriotism or pacifism? Is Christian nationalism or pacifism, which is the anti-nation extreme? Becomes the religion. And Christianity is only valued because it serves as a means to argue for and support that truer religion. The quote, the attitude which you want to guard against is that in which, t in which temporal affairs are treated primarily as material for obedience. Here's what he's saying. Don't let him value Christianity above all else and therefore view the partisan divide as an opportunity to demonstrate his obedience to Jesus by transcending the divide. Here's what he says. Continue on. Once you have made the, the world an end and faith a means, you have almost won your man. And it makes very little difference what kind of worldly end he is pursuing. That's what he's saying. I don't care. I don't care what world, worldly extremism he is pursuing. It matters not to me. Just as long as the worldly extreme is the end and the faith is a means to that end. Just as long as he is more obsessed over the worldly extreme and Christianity is, a, is used to defend that extreme, I don't care which extreme it is. Then he closes with this. When meetings, pamphlets, policies, movements, causes, and crusades matter more to him than prayers and sacraments and charity, he is ours. Wow. Translation to our modern culture. When partisan news, blogs, podcasts, social media, political rallies, and so forth mean more to him than prayer, sacraments, and charity, he is ours. Friends, if you have followed my preaching or teaching for any amount of time, then you know how 
concerned, how disturbed, how much I lament the partisan divide that has consumed our country, and most, most specifically, um, how much I lament the Christian participation in that divide, that I see such little difference between the way the, the churches divide themselves and the way our culture divides itself. The divide is killing us, but I'm convicted to add more weight to what's going on. It's not just toxic, it's satanic. It is satanic. The devil doesn't care if you love Donald Trump or you loathe Donald Trump, just as long as you are fixated on Donald Trump. The devil doesn't care if Fox News or MSNBC is your thing, just as long as these partisan echo chambers are doing the discipling and not your Bible. It's all satanic. So, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In our culture, in this moment, he devours us by devouring us with the cultural divide. Let's resist him. Let's put on the full armor of God and stand against his schemes. To quote Screwtape one last time, Vari said this, well, let me quote this one again. All extremes except extreme devotion to the enemy are to be encouraged. So let's do the opposite. Screwtape Letters is written that we might do the opposite. Let's make sure the only extreme we indulge is extreme devotion to Satan's enemy, the Lord our God. All right, I think that's enough for today. Uh, thanks for listening in on these. Be sure to be uh, here um, tomorrow um, with Mark's uh, response to the sermon and prayer, and then Will will have some applications to the sermon um, on Thursday. And then, of course, uh, see you, whatever form that looks like, see you uh, back Sunday for our next uh, Advent sermon. Thanks for listening.